The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org. We're just authentic with people and take the risk of really telling them what Christ has done for us. God will use us, ordinary, saved sinners, to reach other people for Christ. And I, I got to say, that's the adventure of my life now. We'll hear about that adventure next as we talk with author and speaker Mark Middleberg on First Person. Welcome to this week's edition. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and you'll meet our guest in just a moment. But before we hear from Mark, I appreciate you listening to this weekly program. Our aim is to present the stories of people who are serving Jesus Christ with their lives. They come from all walks of life and have a story to tell. And if you're unfamiliar with us, we're found online at firstpersoninterview.com, where there's a complete archive of past interviews. Telling these stories is possible because of the Far East Broadcasting Company, who supports First Person so that you are able to listen. I'm amazed at how the Lord is using FEBC's gospel broadcasts around the globe, and I hope you'll take a few moments to learn more at firstpersoninterview.com. Mark Middleberg is a best-selling author, sought-after speaker, leading outreach strategist, and he is the executive director of the Center for Strategic Evangelism in partnership with Houston Baptist University. His latest book is Today's Moment of Truth. And as Mark and I sat down to talk, we began by remembering Mark's good friend, Nabil Qureshi. You know, I met him about 10 years before he died, only a few years after he'd come to Christ. And, you know, in case people aren't familiar with him, he was a lifelong Muslim uh, from a wonderful Muslim family. I mean, loving, great family. And uh, his grandparents were missionaries to Indonesia, you know, reaching pagans and Christians for, for Allah. <laughs> and that was his background. And he was trained to answer questions. Uh, questions from Christians and, and point them to what he thought was the truth of uh, his Islamic faith. And then he encountered a Christian, very colorful character, also a friend of mine named David Wood, who over years shared Christ with him and, and you know, defended the faith and pointed to evidence. And eventually, Nabil did give his life to Christ and then wrote that book that uh, you just mentioned Seeking yeah. Allah, Finding Jesus. Yeah, it was a groundbreaking book. Oh, it's fantastic. And uh, I had a little hand in, uh, well, in encouraging him with that book. But I was going to say specifically when he was going to have an audio book done. And he called me. He goes, yeah, yeah, the publisher, Zondra, and they, they lined up a guy to do my book. I go, what do you mean? You're going to have someone else read it? He <laughs> goes, yeah, yeah, I don't have time to do that. And I said, well... You know, if you don't mind people mispronouncing, you know, your family <laughs> name and, you know, mispronouncing Muslim terms. And he goes, what do you say? And I said, you got to read your own book, your, especially it's your testimony. Mm -hmm. And so many people have commented now how great it is. And I've listened to it twice. But to have Nabil himself in his own voice and with his heart and emotion shining through reading his story is yeah. just powerful. It's hard to understand why his life was cut so short, but we know it was in God's hands. Um but about friendship? I mean, friendship is so wonderful, especially when it's centered on the gospel the way it was with you two and so many others. 
Yeah, that's one of the blessings of my life. And, you know, a lot of people who know me well know my best buddy outside my family is Lee Strobel. And same thing. I mean, Lee and I always say it's uh, more more fun and more fruitful to do ministry together. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, he's written all the great books, The Case for Christ and The Case for Faith and The Case for Everything You Can Think of. Powerful books. And uh, But for me, it's always... It's just a blessing to have faithful friends who love the Lord and are like-minded in their mission. Well, iron sharpens iron, and you and Lee and Nabil, when he was alive, you're all sharpening each other in in how to how to tell people about the gospel and how to not convince them, but share what the gospel means so that the Holy Spirit can convict them. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, mentioning books, uh, what's your latest? Well, just picking up on what we were just saying, uh, Lee Strobel and I did, it's, it's actually a curricula. It's a six-week video-driven curricula called Making Your Case for Christ. Okay. And we just released that with Zondervan, and we had a lot of fun doing it. It's It combines the two things my life is about and Lee's life is about, and that's evangelism and apologetics, mm-hmm. you know, proclaiming the truth and then defending the faith, which go so much hand in hand. Uh, Our friend uh, Jay Warner Wallace, the author of Cold Case Christianity, wrote an article not long ago uh, in which, in fact, the title of it was Evangelism Today is Spelled Apologetics. Oh, okay, sure. And apologetics, of course, meaning the defense of the faith. And, And just today in our skeptical, critical culture, you've got to take first peter 3:15 seriously mm, be ready be ready to give an answer as well as the message of the cross of Christ, the gospel. Mark, we've known each other for a number of years and have spoken many times through the years, but I don't know if I've ever heard you tell your own story of coming to faith. And I'd like to focus on that for just a moment. Sure. Well, I was uh, raised by parents who met at Wheaton College okay. back in the 40s. So you then. didn't have a chance, did you? <laughs> I, I think that's the definition of predestination, isn't it? If your parents met at Wheaton, you're predestined. Um, I did come to faith as a young child. I prayed with my mom to ask Jesus into my heart when I was four years old. I wish I had been faithful to that all the way through. Uh, I was a bit of a low-key or quiet prodigal son all the way through high school. I was not known as a believer, even though people kind of knew I was from a religious family and went to church. I always respected my parents and what they believed, and I, I never intellectually doubted it, but I I wanted to have fun. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted adventure in my life, and I just didn't see that in the church. So I really went on about a five-year spiritual excursion that God finally woke me up from when I was 19 years old. I was about a year out of high school. I was selling electronics in a, a, a really cool stereo shop. Um, it, it was actually. This is pre-Apple, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. In fact, I was there at the shop when Buddy brought in the first Apple IIe, and I said, what now is you're, that? Now you're dating yourself. Be and careful. He said, he said well, you, you can put your recipes on it. I said, oh, man, that sounds useful. Uh, and we used to sell these things called records. And it's really hard to explain what they yeah, are. But there's they're a like, turntable right over in the corner, right over here. Well, so. you, you see, you're dating yourself, too. But, uh, yeah, I, I used to tell people they're like big CDs, but the problem is no one knows what a CD is anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, a guy I had gone to high school with came in one day and pretended to want to look at car stereos, but it became clear he was there for another reason. And he finally just looked at me. He goes, Mark, you claim to be a Christian, don't you? 
and I, I didn't like the tone of that question mm-hmm. right away, but I said, well, yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And he said, well, I just don't get it. He was kind of like Columbo. He was, you know, it's just, I, I don't understand this. Maybe you can explain. Because <laughs> he said, you have a reputation for this and that. And he kind of went through a list of things he knew about me. And he said, how does that square with being a Christian? And I was scrambling in my brain, like, how do I respond to this? And I came up with the best thing I could in the moment. I said, well, Terry, I guess I'm a cool Christian. Oh. And, I, you know, special variety. We have more fun. We yeah. don't get hung up on the rules and all that stuff. And he looked me right in the eye and he said, well, there's a term for cool Christians. And I said, what's that? I fell for it. I said, what's that? <laughs> he said, hypocrite. Ooh. I thought, ouch. And, of course, what do you do in that case? You ta- you attack the person. So yeah. I said, oh, Terry, you know, you're judging me. What about you? You got your life all together? He said, I don't, but at least I'm honest about it. Mm. And that really stung. It made actually made me mad at first. And he left, and I'm kind of walking around the store fuming, like, who does he think he is? And he's so arrogant. And he's so, and then the Holy Spirit started it got you going, applying didn't it. Yeah. yeah, and I started going, yeah, I think I'm mad because I know he's right. <laughs> and just over the next few days, that anger turned to reflection, and then that reflection turned to repentance. And it was less than a week later, I was driving. I'd been to a Bible study where I'd heard the gospel again and challenges to really trust Christ. And I was actually driving home uh, in, in my little car in my rural highway in North Dakota where I grew up. And I prayed with my eyes open, driving along a rural highway. I just said, God, I'm so tired of running and doing my own thing, thinking I'm having fun and I'm just wrecking my life. And I'd had some things happen that I knew I was on the wrong path. And and I said, God, I'm I'm ready to yield my life to you. Take my life from here on out. Mm. And I thought I was dying. I, you know, in a lot of ways, it is. It's it's like I'm letting go of all the fun and adventure mm-hmm, I thought I could mm-hmm. have. And I'll tell you, that's where the what I call the unexpected adventure of my life began that night. And I just cannot believe the the opportunities and adventure I've been on since that time as a follower of Christ. Well, just briefly, what does your own story teach you about how you approach people now with the gospel? Good question. I I think one of the things it teaches me is to be empathetic. Um, You know, because I kind of lived on both sides, um, not for real long, not for, you know, I didn't, you know, I wasn't in prison. I didn't do anything like super serious, but I lived enough on that side to understand the pull of it and um, kind of the values that go with it and the thinking so that I, I think it gave me a little more empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, he who's forgiven much loves much. Yes. I, I can relate to that. And so when I meet people who are far from God and doing stupid things, I, I'm going, hey, I've done stupid too, you know. And, uh, so I think it's given me a little more empathy and patience. And one of the things that, as well as just my work in the years since with evangelism and apologetics, is is to not write off people. The, the way I often say it is, don't say no for someone, like a friend or family member, before you give them a chance to say yes. Great point. And we just are so quick to say, well, he's an atheist, he's a skeptic, she doesn't believe, or he's a Muslim, or he's a, you know, whatever he believes. And, you know, people would have written off the Apostle Paul, and I'm sure did. Mm-hmm. And yet he became the Apostle Paul, and, and Lee Strobel, you know, who would have thought? 
And I just see that over and over. I just had a guy, uh, I've been reaching out to a guy on Twitter. That's my one social media thing I do. And uh, I had been sharing with a Muslim uh, for over a year. And just this, you know, last spring, after I think it was about 16 months of reaching out to this guy, I get a, a direct message tweet. And he says, Mark, I finally give up, given up. Broken English. Oh. He said, I finally give up. I gave my life to Christ. Mm. And I said, really? Like, like, wow. I said, I mean, you, you really, you've asked him to forgive and lead your life. You know, I'm an evangelist. I, I have to make sure. <laughs> he goes, I did. And I, you know, I, I'm ready to follow him wherever. And, and I'm not afraid to tell my parents anymore. But I tell you, there's just nothing like that. There's nothing better than just you know, investing in, in the lives of people around us, um, taking risks for the sake of the gospel, uh, seeing how God can work through us in spite of our own fears and failings and shortcomings. If we're just authentic with people and take the risk of really telling them what Christ has done for us and what he can do for them, God will use us, ordinary saved sinners, to reach other people for Christ. And I, I got to say, that's the adventure of my life now. We'll continue with part two of our conversation with Mark Middleberg coming up next here on First Person. Listening to your station is my first priority when I get home. Sometimes I even listen twice. First on the radio and then through the internet. Thank you for all your Hard work. The Far East Broadcasting Company is dedicated to presenting Christ to the world through radio and new media, and we receive millions of responses every year from grateful listeners. To learn more, visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. That's firstpersoninterview.com to learn more about FEBC. My guest is Mark Middleberg. Mark is well known as a speaker, as an author, evangelist, apologist. Uh, Mark, thanks for coming to the studio today. Oh, you're welcome. It's fun to be here. Yeah, we, uh, we've we been spending a few minutes together getting acquainted, reacquainted, I should say. It's been a few years since we've spoken yes. together, so nice to have you here. Um, talk to me about what's going on in your life today. Now, you have a calling. We, we love to talk about calling here on First Person, so tell me about your calling. It became clear, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, I just knew right away this isn't something you keep to yourself. I mean, this is good news that, you know, there's forgiveness available. There's new life. There is really an adventure of knowing Christ and serving him and walking with him. And uh, I was at that electronic store and I started witnessing to the cashier. And uh, like two or three weeks later, I had the privilege of praying with her to receive Christ. And uh, then there was a, a gal who had started visiting this Bible study I was part of who had been uh, someone I had known in high school, a gal named Peggy. And um, I ended up, it was like six weeks after I'd given my life to Christ and I got to pray with her. Get this. She then went on to marry a guy who was a Christian. They ended up going with Wycliffe to Papua New Guinea. How about that? And they've been there like the last 30 years. <laughs> so I have a stake. I'm kind of like a godfather to that or something, you know? Uh, well, God gave you those early victories maybe just to set you on the course that he had for you, you think? Yeah, and then and along with those victories, and, and I was up in Minot, North Dakota, not like the cultural center of the world. Not a bad place, but just, you know. And yet, in spite of being there— uh, it was like God uh, orchestrated 
me running into all kinds of people from all kinds of other faiths, uh, you know, including, of course, you know, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and people that had a different view of the Bible and, and you know, salvation and so on. But then I'm running into like a, a gal who's a Baha'i and I'm going, what's a Baha'i? And Oh, well, we follow Baha'u'llah. Oh, well, thanks for explaining. <laughs> well, then I had to study up on Baha'ism and I'm reading on Mormonism and what do Jehovah's Witnesses believe in? Who's Charles Taft? And I, I'm, I'm studying all this. And then I meet Muslims, and then I meet people from all these different backgrounds. And then I went to college, and I had a philosophy professor, and you can guess how that went. And he's talking about all the mistakes in the Bible and all the myths that are in the Bible. Well, all of this was challenging to me as a young believer and just naturally made me start reading books and studying and learning about it. And through that, I just... I finally became, the way I describe myself now, I'm like a train on two rails. And those two rails of my ministry are evangelism and apologetics, uh, proclaiming the gospel and then defending its truth mm-hmm. and why why it makes sense in giving evidence. And that's what I do today. I write on it. I speak at churches. And, and you encourage all of us. Conferences. And, you encourage all of us. You train all of us. You tell us how to go about it. And I think if we're honest, most of us, would say, I'm petrified that if I open up a conversation about Christ with someone, they're going to come back at me with something I just can't answer. I mean, that's that's what's holding us back a lot of the time. Isn't it, it is, and it, and you know, some it's it's easy for Christians to kind of say, yeah, it just it's hard for me to get into the conversation. If we're really, really honest, though, a lot of us are avoiding the conversation. That's true. Because what you just said, uh, we don't know for sure how to answer the questions. And yet, I, I just want to encourage our listeners, you're not that far away from being able to defend your faith or answer the questions. You don't have to, you know, I, I went and studied it and got my master's degree and, you know, hang out in some of those circles, but you don't have to do that. In fact, the way I put it is often uh, a lot of Christians are just like three or four good books away from really feeling confident in what they believe and being able to defend it. And so I'm just a strong advocate of reading good books uh, or listening to them, uh, going through curricula like the one I mentioned uh, that Lee Strobel and I just put out, the Making Your Case for Christ. That can really change your life by doing that with a small group, uh, reading uh, you know, The Case for Christ, reading, I have a book called Confident Faith, reading that kind of material and you go, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. We've got really good reasons and evidence and answers. And you start talking to people and you find out most people have never heard the answers. Yeah. We do need to share the word. I understand that. But there's also something powerful about just our, our living example in front of other people. Yeah, that's the prerequisite. Uh, I mentioned, I think earlier, the verse, 1 Peter 3.15, about being ready to give an answer. But a lot of people miss the first phrase in that verse. Uh, the way the NIV puts it is, revere Christ as Lord. And then it says, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. And then it ends by saying, do it with gentleness and respect. In a sense, you earn the right to speak the gospel, speak the word. By following Christ as Lord and authentically being an imitator of God and walking with him. You know, first, uh, it's Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. So as we imitate him and they see a Christ-like love in us, then they're going to be more open to our answers and reasons and message of the gospel, especially if we do it with gentleness and respect. Well, you've been such an encourager to so many people through your books and through your speaking. As a matter of fact, right now, uh, we're having this conversation in Chicago. You're in Chicago because a lot of churches in Chicago were banding together uh, starting in January to do what? 
it's part of a thing. I'm so excited about this. It's called Explore God Chicago. And it's based on a model that was done in Austin, Texas, and I think some other places. But it's uh, what the deal is, is churches are coming together. And right now we have over 500 churches in Chicagoland area. And by the way, this could take place in other cities around the country. Yeah. In a sense, it can be a model. And that's the hope. Exactly. But uh, in Chicago, they already have over 500 churches signed up with the hope of a thousand. And as you listen to this, it's not too late for your church to get in on this. Um, But what it means is that the church has committed to teaching on what they call the big seven questions. And it, it's either you're going to do a seven-week preaching series or you're going to have your classes in small groups go through a small group series or both. And it's going to have more synergy and power if you do both. But what it is is just an organized way for all the churches in the region to kind of take advantage of the buzz and publicity they're going to get um, to say, we're going to do this, we're, we're participating, we're going to do a series on Explore God. And it's it's the tough questions. It's, you know, well, it's answering the questions we were talking about earlier, the ones that we're afraid to address yeah, because do, we don't know the answers. Does life have purpose? How do yeah. you know God exists? How do you know Jesus well, we is God's We don't know God's how to express son. the answers, maybe a better way to put it. We know the answer, but how do we put it into words as we share it with others? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm excited about this, and we're praying for a real harvest. I think this is a season of opportunity for churches and ministries all around this region to say, we're going to jump in on this. And, and, you know, it does two things. One is it reaches people far from God, but the other is it reinforces the faith of believers. And we need that. And especially our young people need that. Yeah. Speak to that issue. Well, I mean, I've heard statistics. I just don't want to believe them. And I don't know what the real number is, but a lot of young people, when they leave home, when they go away to college, are not just walking away from the church. A lot of them are losing their faith. Mm -hmm. And the number one reason given for why that happens by those young people is they ran into intellectual objections and had doubt. And that can be so easily addressed if we give the information ahead of time. They need to hear the challenge first in a safe setting in the church or a small group or a youth group and say, here's what you're going to get challenged with, and here's some answers, here's some responses, here's the truth. And if we'll do that ahead of time, we'll immunize our young people from the disease of skepticism that so many are being infected with when they get out to college or just move out on their own. And again, that's what we're doing in this series. So I'm excited for no one more than our young people with this Explore God Chicago campaign. You're going to keep doing what you're doing? I'm never going to quit. Uh, and I know we talked about this off the, off air, but, you know, this whole retirement thing, I'm not into it. I, I think we're called to serve God and, and keep doing it. And it, I honestly feel like it keeps getting more and more fun and in a lot of ways more and more fruitful. You, you know, you finally, after a certain point, kind of know what you're talking about <laughs> and feel a little more confidence. And I, I feel like God's doing great things and I love to be part of it. I just think there's no adventure like being part of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Mark Middleberg is living that adventure and helping us do the same. For more about Mark and his books, as well as his speaking ministry, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. The links you'll find there will take you to the information. His newest book is the apologetics-oriented devotional, Today's Moment of Truth, which he wrote with Lee Strobel. As we heard, Mark is fully committed to the gospel of Christ, and I'm glad to say that there's another gospel-driven organization that makes this program possible, the Far East Broadcasting Company. 
FEBC takes Christ to the world through radio and new technology, and millions respond after hearing God's Word, many for the first time. Learn more at firstpersoninterview.com. Well, thanks for listening. And now with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you to join us next week at this time for First Person. First Person.